What's up? This is Matt Miller. This is Stick to Football, and I still don't have an intro I like. And I, I'm still not used I to it. I just don't know. I want people to send in their Stick to Football intro suggestions for us because the What's Up Everybody has gone too far. It's run its course. We've changed intro music about seven times. I need a new intro. Just I say keep trying something new every every episode so until something sticks. I didn't like the hello. I listened back to it. I tried for the old Johnny Cash. Hello, the stick to football. And I didn't like it. Didn't like it. For being real honest, God admit, didn't <laughs> like it. This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. It's Monday morning. You know what that means. I got my boy Mello riding shotgun. No Connor Rogers. Unfortunately, this week he is out in LA living it up. Uh, if you've seen his Instagram, you probably hate him as much as I do. Well, he picked some good games. I don't even, I should air quote games yeah. to go to. Like he's just going to Miami and LA. Like those teams are terrible. He picked some good locations. He definitely did. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Smart man. Uh, great hair. Smart man. He'll be back on the Wednesday morning show. We'll be, we will be breaking down uh, the NFL trade deadline, how that affects the NFL draft. A lot will be going on. There's also a lot going on. You sat down tonight, opened the rundown, and went, whew, it's a lot for a Sunday. There's a lot. There was a, It was a busy weekend for us, so we're going to cover a lot this week. Let's get it started with the big news. Ohio State loses. Number two ranked Ohio State loses to Purdue. Yeah, and uh, I looked back at the Friday show, and we didn't even pick that game. Nope, because we thought it was such yeah. a blowout game. Like, yeah, we don't need to pick that. Uh, not only did they lose, I mean, they got their ass kicked. They did. It was never close. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Haskins threw the ball seventy-three times. That if you're new to college football or you're listening to this more as a draft fan, Urban Meyer's offense goes through the run game. I mean, it's a spread offense, but it's let's get athletes the ball in space. There's a lot of jet action. It is a run-based offense. And I think part of the problem that they had was that they got away from their own identity. They are a team that runs the ball, and that's where they have success. They use the play action to open up lanes for the receivers. They throw screen passes, and they weren't doing it. And Purdue was able to capitalize on them just dropping back 73 times and throw the ball. Yeah, and we, when we get to our $100 handshake portion of the show, we will be talking more about Purdue, that's for sure. But huge win and what's weird is this happens to Ohio State it feels like every year they come out and they're like we're like oh it is. fuck they're every unstoppable year. and then they lose to some nobody no offense Purdue and it, and you're just like they overlook someone every year and it's always on the road they overlook somebody on the road and they don't just beat they get beat they get their asses kicked yeah hardcore and it happened again last year it was Iowa this year it's Purdue and i actually loved it like i loved watching Purdue just Chaos. do what they did it was it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it, and I just love their uniforms. The fact that they have the train tracks going up the center yep. stripe of their helmet, it works. Yeah, I loved the, it. The train ran right through Ohio State, yeah. unstoppable. Uh, and that Ohio State schedule is tough the rest of the way. They have still got Michigan, which that's fantastic, and it works out great for us because we are going to that game, and there are going to be huge I was implications. Laying in bed uh, last night, unable to sleep because we're watching uh, The Haunting of Hill House. And I'm not scared by the show, but I think about it nonstop. So I'm laying there breaking down all this, this show's plots, and then it hits me oh, wow, Michigan won and Ohio State lost. That game, when we roll through there at Columbus in. Uh, the last week of the season, November 24th, is going to be wild now because the implications are actually right. bigger uh, as long as both teams take care of business the rest of the way. That segues perfectly, though, man. Uh, Devin Bush. So this game got delayed. Michigan-Michigan State gets delayed. So if you missed it, 
Devin Bush, star linebacker for Michigan, had words with Michigan State before the game. A little chippy. He had to be held back. Looked like they were going to go to blows. So my man goes to midfield. And it looked like if you've ever stepped in like gum or dog shit or something, and you so you want to find a good patch of grass, right? And just rub vigorously to try to get that off the bottom of your foot. You know, you're doing the God damn it. He did that to Michigan State's logo at midfield. He tore it up. Like I know once the game started, it was like, oh, nothing happened. That's because they repainted. Yeah, it did. He tore the shit out of it. Did you actually see what Michigan State did that pissed him off so badly, though? Were they chipping him as they ran into the, the no. tunnel? It gets better. They link arms before the game, the whole team, and they spread out across the field. We did that when I was in high school. They yeah. walked the whole hundred. Devin Bush was out there for pregame. They didn't stop for him. They just went full on Spartan on him and kept going. Like a little Red Rover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do, I kind of like it. It's I get why it's disrespectful if you're a Michigan fan. But at the same time, it's fucking badass that they link arms like that as a whole team and walk. The I field. also think that sports in general, but definitely football, needs more rivalries. Like these two teams are supposed to hate each other. Like, yeah, I don't want to see a hugging before the game. Well, it's I mean, you talk about rivalries and how football needs it. You look at basketball. There was a huge fight in basketball last night, and LeBron James, instead of going and like helping his teammates, he's helping one of his best friends, Chris Paul. He's like holding back. Another team's player. Don't do that. No. When you're on the court, it's like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. You fucking hate whoever you're Could playing. Could you against. imagine Jordan holding back like Charles Oakley? <laughs> well, no, because yeah, I they, think Charles Oakley. Right. But still, if it were yeah. Charles Oakley going after like Scottie Pippen, Jordan's going at Oakley's throat. Yeah. And that's time. we need that. So I love the fact that Devin Bush did that against their whole team and Antonio. And then right. you have Harbaugh afterwards calling it Bush League and all that business, which is great. I love it. Yeah, I definitely think it needs it. Great win by Michigan. We're definitely going to get to that in some of the $100 handshakes. But Devin Bush is, uh, man, he is something special. And they did it without Rashawn Gary. Their star defensive lineman still out. Chase Winovich had a massive game. Devin Bush had a big game. And uh, the offense, it wasn't always pretty. But they got shit done, and that's what matters most. Uh, I This is the portion of the show where it feels like weekly I have to apologize for either my conduct or a pick that I have made. Washington State? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I <laughs> I think there was a so quote sorry. out there that there said they're the quote, worst defense in the Power Five. It's the worst defense I've seen all year, and I said, I have this written down, easiest fucking game we've picked all year. I'm taking Oregon. <laughs> That's what I said. Don't. <laughs> they looked very good against yeah, Oregon. Yeah, they looked great against Oregon. Uh, very, very good. And guess what? The defense showed up and gave Justin Herbert a pretty bad day. So uh, kudos to Mike Leach and Washington State. And their uh, fans as well. Like, they came that out. Environment. That That plays a huge role in college football games. So the fact that they showed up at probably 5.30 a.m. and were already ready to go for that night game, it's great. And it worked for them. It was like an LSU crowd over there. Yeah, it really was. Uh, watching game day, it's like, man, we might need to hit Pullman next year. Because they always have the flag, and there's a great story about it. Like, the flag travels to game day everywhere. But, like, when it's actually there, that environment is ridiculous. Yeah, I think if Washington, Washington State is in Pullman, that would be a very good atmosphere for Let's us next year. I don't know if they are or not, but you're right. Like, what they did, and even in our stick-to-football Group messaging, we noticed it. Like yeah. you're, we get the point, Pullman. Like you put it out there, and it and is Washington at Washington State. TB no date set yet, but it's 
It's in Pullman. I would be down for that. I'm with you. I've never been to Washington. No, it's a beautiful state. You would like it. It's cold most of the time. Or cool. It's chilly a lot of the time. None of that shit that we have here. Uh, All right, let's keep it rolling, buddy. Speaking of the segues, we just boom, boom, boom. We're rolling on the show. The report comes out. CBS says it's Saturday morning. Something that we've been saying for, I think, three months now. I know our boy Connor has been saying it every time we talk about this player. CBS comes out and says, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert, presumed to be the number one quarterback in the 2019 draft class. They say that he's leaning toward returning to school again. I remember talking to scouts back in July who were going through Oregon, and they would text me like, this guy is a beautiful thrower, uh, looks the part, big athlete, but... Coaches say he's not ready for the NFL. They think he's probably going to come back. And now I think that that word is starting to get out. As I tweeted, it's easy to say that now when you're not faced with the reality of being a top three to five pick and getting that money. And also, I think the the big jumping off point with this is next year's quarterback class. Exactly. Tua, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason. Like there are some very good players in next year's quarterback class. This year looks pretty damn weak. If Justin Herbert's not in this class, who is who is quarterback one? I, I would probably still stay with Jarrett Stidham just oh, based on yeah. what I saw over the offseason and the end of the season last year because he's getting the shit kicked out of him with his offensive line. I think then you do have to give Will Greer a, a good look. I don't think he has a very impressive arm, really. I think Drew Locke's going to get some attention because he does have an incredible arm. But he's inaccurate. I mean, he went three games against good teams yeah. at under 50% completion percent. Ryan Finley at NC State, is he, he looks the part. He's kind of an interesting guy out there. But And he struggled this week against Clemson. Right. So you have Dwayne Haskins, who potentially could be a one-and-done at Ohio State. But there are not Clayson Th- Clayton Thorson, excuse me, at Northwestern. He's like a mid-round guy. Right. This quarterback class, it's not good. Not good. It's not good at all, especially if Herbert does go back. I was actually texting with a scout of a, from he works for a team that has drafted a quarterback in the last few years about the quarterback class, and he was like, "I am so glad we got our guy." But if you're a New York Giants fan, you almost have to start to wonder: Okay, do we try to punt for a year and take a Nick Bosa or Ed Oliver or, or Jonah Williams in the top three, and then look to next year's quarterback class that could be very, very good? But you're going to roll Kyle Letta? Try to push Herbert to next year. And just say, you know what, there are no quarterbacks this year. Tell him you're not going to draft him. Force him to go back to school so that you can get one of those three guys next year. Because Man, if it's not Herbert, then it's not good. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones at Duke is maybe the like interesting one of this group. And I don't think he's that interesting. Yeah, it's uh, not a great year to need a quarterback. Sorry for the bad news out there. There's old Brett Ripien. Yep. Grip it and rip it. Grip it and rip it. Is that a thing? I don't know. It should be if it's not. I like it. So uh, one more note on that. If Justin Herbert goes back to school, what's your take? Good or bad call? I would say bad call uh, just because you're probably a top five draft pick this year, regardless of anything else that's even going on. Somebody is going to move up to get you because everyone needs a quarterback and there's not any this year. So I think bad call, just you got to strike why the iron's hot here. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot like with Trubisky where the the advice from NFL teams was, hey, you're going to be a top five pick this year. Next year, maybe not, because we knew about Josh Rosen and Josh Allen and uh, Sam Darnold, and obviously Baker Mayfield came up. 
Lamar Jackson came up. So it was that type of advice of, hey, you should probably go now. So I th- I'm with you. I think it would be a bad call to return to school, even if he might not be ready. Like as a purely business decision, you're not going to be QB1 in 2020. It's just not happening. There's too many good players out there. Uh, up next, Devin White. Bullshit. This call is. It, oh, my this was terrible. God. The, and the fact that he gets called for a targeting play, he's ejected from the game, whatever. But he is also going to miss the first half of the Alabama game. That was what pisses me off so much is like not only the fact that I don't feel like it was targeting. And I agree with you, too. Like, was it a little bit chippy? Yeah. But I don't think it's a kick the kid out of the game and make him miss the first half of right. another. Here's the second thing. You can't appeal that. If this were the NFL, you could appeal that suspension. Because this is the NCAA assholes, you can't appeal this decision. He's yeah, just, you just fucking have to do out. what they say. It's horrible. You know what I would do? I'd play his ass. <laughs> take the fine. Play what what's the SEC gonna do? Yeah, take a scholarship away from yeah. you okay. at the end of the year. Fine. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Coach it, O should do take it. Him, it'll take him two years to investigate. Right. Just like, do it. Oh, play did him. he actually play? Was that number 40 play we him. saw on the field? Yeah. They got to do something, though. Put him in 18. Let him play. The The penalty is not It's not good. Like, he pushed the quarterback, whatever. But I've seen Alabama guys literally throw punches and stay in the game. No penalty called, and they're hitting guys, throwing punches yeah. on the ground, and nothing was called. So to have a guy of this caliber miss one of the biggest games all year long is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's and to miss again the first half of the Bama game because they're on bye next week. So their next game is actually the Bama one. It's just horrible. I hate the way that targeting has that built-in suspension for you're out. You're out the the first half of the next game. A horrible decision. Last bit of news uh, before we uh, move on to some other things. Uh, this is NFL news, but it affects us a lot. The Dallas Cowboys are reportedly doing a lot of work on Amari Cooper, and it, I, I've been told that some of it hinges on who wins and loses this week. That that might actually play into how desperate Dallas gets, and as we're recording, their game is still ongoing. So Amari Cooper to Dallas, you think he fixes some of what's given them problems? I don't know if he fixes it, but I think he alleviates some of the problems that they're having. They do not have any targets for Dak, and it is showing up week to week. So they've got to do something and I don't think you want to sit around and wait. I do think that Amari Cooper will fit in with that locker room and the young nucleus of guys that they have. So you might as well kick the tires and, and see what they want for him. I, I think so, too. I love the fit there. I mean, Amari does drop a lot of passes. But one thing about Dak that uh, I remember standing out from Mississippi State, and we've seen it in the NFL, is he doesn't have a super strong arm. He's great at short to intermediate game. And I think that's where Amari Cooper is at his best. So give him somebody that can dominate on slant routes on comebacks, and is a good route runner. Hopefully that'll open up the run game a little bit. But really interesting trade deadline, I think, coming up for the NFL. Uh, I know Connor and I will do a lot more on that on the Wednesday morning show. All right, it's $100 handshake time, baby. That's where we give cash to players who had a good weekend. And there were a lot of them from like one game. Your list is long. I wanted to shout out every Purdue player that stood out to me, so I have four of them, and then I highlighted two other players that I thought did something really special this weekend. I'll get it started with all of my Purdue guys. There are four (laughs) of them. I'm going to go with their running back, Knox, first, because the dude had 128 yards rushing and three touchdowns. He torched what we thought was a good defense before Saturday and lit them up. See, 
great game for him. He's getting 100 bucks from me. Yeah, and maybe, just maybe, they miss Nick Bosa. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. It showed up, too, because they couldn't get to the quarterback, and they couldn't stop one of my favorite players in the Big Ten, and it's Moore. Their receiver. Yeah, Moore. He's a true freshman. Right. I know he's little, but he is tearing up the Big Ten. I mean, he looks like Tyreek Hill out there. <laughs> 12 catches, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. He's a guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago that stood out for us, and he keeps doing it, and he showed up here in a big game, and he also plays special teams. Yeah, and I want to quickly shout out their quarterback, David Blau, who is a walker, our intern, TR's boy. He loves this guy. Apparently. I was so annoyed by the group chat last night because I was exhausted because I have children and I just wanted to go to bed. Walker, I love you. I muted you because he was going off about this quarterback (laughs) who had a good game. I want to give you credit. 25 of 43, he went for 378 and three TDs against Ohio State secondary. That's not an easy thing Some, to do. Yeah, really good player. Very good player. There. So he deserves the love. Holy fuck, Walker. Take it easy on the group I text. I also <laughs> turned on the old do not disturb. And it's like, I'm, I'm tired as well. I don't want to talk about Purdue's quarterback right now. Let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> also have to mention their defense because they got it done too against a very good offense. I know that they have Ohio State has their holes. On the defensive side, on offense, they are great. And Marcus Bailey came to play. Their linebacker sealed the deal with the interception at the end, but even before that was remarkable on defense all over the field. And their cornerback, I also want to highlight him, Antonio Blackman, shut down some very good receivers for Ohio State. Made huge plays when they needed it. Made a great stop on that fourth and short or third and short with the screen pass coming up, playing physical, did a great job all night long. Yeah, they absolutely came to play. Speaking of defensive players, get used to hearing this name on our podcast, okay? Grant Delpit from LSU. Ryan Clark, who played a little bit of NFL ball, tweeted, and I don't completely agree with this, but he tweeted that Grant Delpit's the best safety the LSU's ever had. Now, Yeah, yeah, like ever. I think Jamal Adams, Tyron Matthew might disagree. But he's the best safety in college football right now. He gets he's a, a sophomore. And he's a true sophomore. He gets a, a $100 handshake from me yesterday. He had 10 tackles, Mello, one sack, and two interceptions. There is no one like this in college football. He is the most versatile defensive player out there. When we talked to Jacob Hester at LSU, he said, yeah, they, they lost uh, Chase on the outside linebacker. They just put Delpit in there, and now he has four sacks yeah, he to go remi- with five picks. He reminds me of the Bama safety they had last year, Fitzgerald. Yeah, Minka, Minka. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah, yep. Fitzpatrick. I'm not good with names, but he's once the season bigger. ends. Exactly. He's six foot three, and he can do everything. The acrobatic interception that we saw him make, that was a not a good thrown ball, but it was a hard catch. It was a hard interception for him, and he made it look easy. And he can play all over the field. He can play single high. He can play in the box. He does whatever you want him Fuck, to he do. He might play corner. I, I mean, I mean, he is like Minka in that way. That's a great comparison that he can do everything. Everything. Utility knife. That's his nickname. should be. If it's not already, it is now. A yeah. uh, guy for me on defense that I want to highlight is Chase Winovich. With Rashawn Gary out, somebody had to step up, and he did. It didn't really show up in the box score all that much, but he had three tackles for loss. He did a great job and was a vocal leader on this team. I loved watching him on the All or Nothing series, and he is just still doing it as a senior leader for this team. They have a great defense, and he is one of the main reasons. Yeah, he is one of the huge reasons of that. On the other side of that game, Michigan State defensive end Kenny Willekes, former walk-on, he dominated for them. So he gets a handshake for me. 
But I also want to shout out Devin Bush, not only for tearing up the logo. Uh, like you said, sometimes it doesn't show up in the box score how well guys make an impact, especially on defense. But he did have four tackles, one tackle for a loss, and one sack, and did a great job. Just There were so many plays that he was the guy pulling the chain and running down the ball. And it, his speed and balance is closing the open field are very impressive. He's a small guy, six foot tall, about 225 pounds. Allegedly. Allegedly. He's going to be interesting as a draft evaluation, but as a college football player, he's deserving of that 100 bucks. Definitely. And last guy for me, because I, it seems like we've highlighted every player that plays in college football, <laughs> I'm going with Benny Snell because he's a very good running back prospect that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. I think he could be as high as even running back two or or one, potentially, but he had 169 yards yesterday and one touchdown. Their offense can't do anything without him, so I'm giving him that $100 handshake. Benny Snell, man, it was a tough game for them, like not a pretty win at all over Vanderbilt, but that dude just continues to ball out. My last one, a running back that is under the radar, Joshua Jacobs at Alabama. The numbers aren't going to be great because they don't play guys very much. His carries are going to be low. Uh, and he shares them with a great backfield. They have their Damian Harris uh, and Najee Harris. But I fucking love the way this guy runs the ball. He is tough as nails. Two touchdowns yesterday, only 68 yards. But I don't, I don't care how many yards he had. I just love watching him play football. It was a dude who wasn't even getting D1 scholarship offers midway through his senior year of high school. And he ends up at Alabama. So he probably needs the money. When he gets the ball, it looks good. Like you said, he doesn't play very much, but that's just what Nick Saban does. He will use running back by committee every year. It doesn't matter if he has Derrick Henry or Mark Ingram. He's going to use multiple running backs. So maybe this is a guy that's been buried on the depth chart, but can excel later once we get into NFL draft talk. Yeah, I think he's going to be a 2020 guy just based on conversations with people at Bama, but I'm fine with that because... Uh, he he looks like he's going to be special. Yeah, let him come in as a senior and take away all those touches. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's also get in. New segment. Ta-da! We don't do these a lot on Sundays, but new segment. College football playoff prediction. It's time. It's time, especially when we lose the number two team in the nation takes yeah. a big loss. It's time to update that. It looked the same for a very long time, but I really think that there's been a big mix-up. So we're going to visit our top four teams that we think are going to be in right now. We agree on three of them, and surprisingly, actually, our fourth team is different. Yes, it is. Uh, let's start with the obvious. Alabama's going to get in. And I know we joke about the stick-to-football curse. I think Alabama is impervious to it. I don't think that they don't care. Nick Saban doesn't give a shit. But their schedule is tough the rest of the way. Obviously, they have LSU in two weeks. They have Mississippi State, then a toughie, Citadel. But they close it in the Iron Bowl against Auburn, which I don't think uh, a month ago I thought that game was going to be worth something. Now I I don't. But right. it's still a rivalry and, game. And then they will probably face Georgia in, in the, the SEC, SEC championship. championship game. Right. Yeah, but I'm with you there. Alabama is the obvious one. They are on everybody's top. I don't see how anybody who has a vote for the top 25, even if you are Dabo Sweeney on the coaches <laughs> poll, I don't see how you can right. not vote for Alabama. They are above and beyond anything that we've probably ever seen in college football. I don't think I've ever seen a team do it like this. Not this dominant. Not that I can remember. Their closest game uh, was a 45-23 win over number 16 Texas A&M. Like, yeah, that's... Even the like USC team and the Texas team where Nebraska had some really dominant ones. Miami. I never, I've never seen a team so confident 
week in, week out. No. They just know that they're going to win by like 28 points every week, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is. I mean, I think they covered the spread just in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. yeah I know <laughs> they were up by 21. I turned that game off. I said, Same. take Tua out, Yeah, turn it off, because it's irrelevant. Nothing's going to happen there. Number two, and also in agreement, Clemson. A team that, like, they deserve to be number two. Uh, and we said at the beginning of the year when we previewed this season— you and I both sat in these seats and said, if Clemson is not undefeated at the end of the year, it's a disappointment of a year for them. If they don't make it into the playoff as an undefeated, they're still there. And they've had some turnover, obviously, at quarterback. The defense is just so damn good. And the running back, Travis Etienne, is so good that they're able to just steamroll people. Their schedule, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Duke, and South Carolina to finish it out. I don't think that's that tough of a schedule either. I know that there are some big names on there, and we thought maybe Boston College would do more than they have this year, but I think that's a pretty easy schedule for Clemson as long as they can stay focused, and I think Dabo's just crazy enough that he can keep their attention and he can keep them rolling. They were very impressive against NC State. I thought that might be a trap game with them looking forward to kind of a rivalry with Florida State, yeah. but they did not. They came out firing on all cylinders, and they dominated yesterday. Keep, he's just crazy enough to win. Just crazy enough to win. Number three, and we're never going to hear the end of this one. Notre Dame is still undefeated, a team that neither of us liked before the year. We both thought they were overrated. They make the move, Brian Kelly does, to, to Ian Book, quarterback, and it changes everything. The defense is dominant with Jerry Tillery up front, and Tevion Smith, at linebacker, they're so good. Uh, and the run game, they just put running backs in and they produce. I mean, it, it's amazing what they're doing. Their schedule the rest of the way, though, not that easy. Navy, Northwestern, that game scares me if I were Notre Dame. like I, Northwestern's not that good, but that it's, game would scare me. Is that me. the Yankee Stadium game? Uh, no. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Shouldn't be. No, that's Syracuse. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, that's the pinstripe bowl one. And then USC, which is their rival. So big game to end of the year, which I, I love that teams are doing that, putting the rival at the end. Uh, that schedule looks like 5 and 0 oh, if everything goes according to plan but we would have said Ohio State looked like 6 yeah. and 0 oh before and they're also a team that I still don't think is very good like I cannot believe they're number 3 they have played very well and they yeah. deserve it they beat a very good Michigan team week 1 but yeah they deserve number 3 I still just I'm not seeing how they're so good yeah, uh, it is confusing it honestly is like I mean they barely beat Vanderbilt they like I said you, they beat Michigan I know Notre Dame fans are going to get honest about this. They really haven't played anyone. I mean, they beat Stanford. Uh, I think Stanford's down quite a bit this year, but I mean, they beat Stanford by 21. It looked good, but you know, they eked by Michigan with by a touchdown. They barely beat ball state, barely beat Vandy. Then they make the change at quarterback. And they, I mean, they've been, they've been scoring ever since. I mean, they, they right. almost lost to Pitt a week ago though. I just think, and I, again, I, they're deserving of the number three spot and getting in the college football playoff right now. But LSU and Georgia would kick the shit out of them, I think, every time they matched up. And 10 out of 10, Georgia wins that game. And it's unfortunate that it's a four-team playoff and not an eight-team right. because we because of LSU's loss to Florida. It's going to be harder to get in because of the SEC. I mean, they, Yeah, I mean, they have to hope that they beat Alabama. And yeah. that is not yeah. going to be an easy right. task, yeah. so there's especially that. without Devin White. Right. So number four, this is where we differ. And I, I really was torn on this. It's hard. You start to overthink it. You start to think about well, who has, of the one-loss teams, who has a quality loss? Are you going to be fucking crazy and say Central Florida should be in there? 
Who actually deserves the number four spot? I'm going to let you plead your case first. I am going with Michigan, and it was actually for the same reason that you talked about. Because the only team that they have lost to is an undefeated team right now that it looks pretty good, at least in the box score. <laughs> they lost to Notre Dame, so that's why I have them as the number four team. If if they take care of business against Ohio State, I think that's another good quality win that they have. So I'm going with Michigan as the number four team right now. I, I agree that you're right. If Michigan runs the table, Penn State, Rutgers, Indiana, and Ohio State, if they run that table, you're looking at a team that deserves to be there. Yeah, with even with the wins loss. over Wisconsin and Michigan State. Right. They absolutely deserve to be there. I don't think they run the table. Though. I don't either. Jim Harbaugh's going to shit his pants. And I uh, honestly think Penn State has a chance to beat them very soon. Uh, if not, then I think Ohio State does in the shoe. I do too. On November 24th. I so, think it's not close. So I did not put Michigan there. I didn't put Ohio State there either. I put Texas there. And I could see it definitely happening. Think about this. A one-loss team, uh, which was week one to Maryland, which we all know an early loss, you can overcome it. You beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to be a top-10 team. The rest of the schedule, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Kansas. I don't feel great about any one of those games. I'll be honest. I don't. But if they can run the table, Texas would be the number four or five team in the country, depending on what happens to LSU, they would be in the playoff. As the Big 12 champ, they would be in the playoff. I agree with you. I mean, if they w- if they run the table, I just don't think that the SEC is going to put two teams in. I know that there are some very good teams, but even if Georgia runs the table, they're going to run into Alabama in the SEC championship game. LSU, we've already talked about. They're going to run into Alabama as well. So both of those teams are going to have two losses. You're not going to put in a two-loss Georgia team or LSU team ahead of a team like Texas who lost week one. It's just not going to happen. And I don't think if Ohio State or Michigan, if they run the table, you're not putting in another SEC team. Like You have to beat Alabama if you're LSU and Georgia. You have to. Notre Dame has the path paved for them, honestly. If they went out, they're they're in the playoff because of the independent status, because they're Notre Dame. They're going to be in there, and I'm with you. There's no way SEC does two teams this year. The Pac-12 has nobody, and the, even the Big Ten. We're not going to see two Big Ten teams this year. It's never going to happen. Hook them horns. All right, the college football playoff list might be controversial. You can have a lot of opinions. Who should be there? What's going to happen? The Heisman watch list, not that controversial. It's really not, and I don't even know if it's a competition anymore. I think we might retire the segment. We might have to, just because there's a clear, in a way, winner right now. Just put it on pause. Just crown their ass. (laughs) You want to crown their ass? Crown it. (laughs) I think what's most interesting now is who will be second. Right. It's just like, who else is going to get invited? Yeah. That's like, who gets a free trip to New York? Uh, Alabama needs to be checking the flight schedule. Like, what is the... They've cleared to a schedule. Availability the second weekend in December, because they're sending to a... What is it? December uh, 15th? Uh, when is that? It's like December 9th. Oh, that's eight. right. Eighth, eighth. Yeah, we will be busy. I know it's the night before a Chiefs tailgate. Uh, yeah, we will be there watching uh, in the hotel. Spoiler Tua. alert, Tua wins. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've traveled to the future. We're here to tell you Tua won the Heisman. I really think we should pause this segment until we we that something changes. Or I don't know, every week let's just break in and say, hey, Tua still going to win the Heisman. Let's talk about the runners-up, though, because it is, uh, at least there are some quality players 
in the rundown. We both went to five players this week in honor of Connor <laughs> being on the road out on the best coast, the West Coast. So let's run through it. Number five for me, taking a big drop this week, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, not only did he kind of struggle this week, but Ohio State lost. On the year, he's completed uh, passes for 2,800 yards, which is amazing. 30 touchdowns, five picks, and one rushing touchdown. So very, very good player. Maybe uh, next year. I'm with you. You just you can't play poorly in a loss. So he dropped way down my board, too. But I first, I want to talk about my number five guy. I'm going with Karan Higdon from Michigan. He has been very good. And we talk about guys, no one else on this list has a chance to win. But we're looking at who you're going to invite. <laughs> I'm going to invite Karan Higdon because he's been very good this year. Every Michigan win, he has 100 yards. You rushing. know I love this, dude. So get him there. He's a senior. He's a character guy. Get him up to New York. Let him spend the weekend. I'm all for it. He's my number five guy. And then I'm agreeing with you. Dwayne Haskins takes a huge hit. Number four on my board. You just he didn't play that bad, but they lost. If he would have, if they would have won the game, I think he would still be my number two guy. Yeah. But they lost and he didn't play that great. So he falls all the way down my board to number four. Do you think there's anything he can do in the Michigan game to get back on this stage? Oh, I think he'd have to have like 400 yards and five touchdowns. Like honest, and he and like two a would, game they would have winner. to lose. Alabama would have to lose, and he would have to throw like four interceptions. Yeah, and we it, haven't seen him throw one yet. I this year. was gonna say that's something we have not seen since last year. So probably not gonna happen. Number four on my list. Uh, Y'all tried to do this in the preseason. You tried to get this hashtag defense for Heisman thing going. We were just a little early. As always, stick to football came a little early with that one. Uh, we should have waited for Grant Delpit because this motherfucker gets he gets an invite all day every day. What he's done on the year, 54 tackles, five interceptions, four sacks. He yeah. leads the country in interceptions. Say, he leads the nation in interceptions. As right like now. an edge rusher, basically. Yeah. So we should get have him just there. started talking about him early. Like we should have predicted that this six foot three safety for LSU was going to be good. Should have known. But I, if defense for Heisman, if I had to vote for a guy right now, like I think he is the only one that's even. I would like to say the the other two defenders we've put on this list, Nick Bosa got hurt, and Ed Oliver has had a quiet year. So the stick to football curse hopefully does not hit Grant Delpit because I love watching this guy play. Hopefully the stick to football curse hits this next guy (laughs) and hits him hard because I still have Kyler Murray on my board. No shame here for me. I hate Oklahoma. But I will do our listeners justice. He's a guy that will be invited to New York. Like, it will happen. Yeah. Probably regardless of what he does the rest of the year, he's just going to be one of those top five guys. And he is still playing well. I know that they lost to Texas because I enjoyed every second of it. But he played well in that game. He's just not Tua. Here, here's, and I'm, I'm going to jump ahead. I have Kyler Murray at number two, but I'm going to talk about him now. He is a, again, he's a one-and-done college player. He is not playing college football again after this year. He's going to get invited because of that regardless. Right, right. Because I, there's, I totally not a, there's not a wait-till-next-year situation with him. Because next year he'll be playing second base for the A's. So, or who, some minor league team. He'll get the invite to New York because that story is too good not to. Oh, so yeah, he'll get that free be publicity there. there. So, he's, yeah, he's there. There's like eight former Oklahoma Heisman winners, too. They're all going to vote for him. So he's going to get some votes. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Like, Baker's probably already submitted his vote, and it's not going to Tua. Yeah, Jason White is not voting for Tua. Sorry. Yeah, yeah he and his zero ACLs are voting for someone else. So number three on my list, mentioned him a little bit earlier, 
Clemson running back Travis Etienne on the year, 98 rushes for 800 yards, 14 TDs, and one receiving touchdown. It, as good as Clemson has been through this undefeated season with all the turmoil and injuries at quarterback, he has been the constant for them, and he is going off. He looks like C.J. Spiller out there. He does, yeah, a smaller guy. And he is number two on my board, and the reason why I have him so high is because I think everyone else has done something poorly. He hasn't. Even though he only had like 49 yards this weekend, he still had three touchdowns for the third game in a row. He's going to get his touchdowns. He's going to get some yards. I think he's the only guy who still has a chance if something were to happen to Tua. His team's undefeated. They're going to be playing in big games. He's a 200-yard game away from being everybody's number two guy. Yeah, that's very, very true. And number one on the list is Tua Tungavailoa. 2,066 yards on the year, 25 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Get your tattoos, 2018 Heisman winner. It's going to happen. Just mail it in. All right, it's draft on draft time, and you all delivered great this week. A lot of Reddit, got some Instagram, got some Twitter. No mail, unfortunately. Mail doesn't run on Sunday. That's probably why. Probably. I mean, and it's going to take forever for those letters to get here and for us to find them in our office. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Mason Whitlock has asked for our address at least four times. Don't and give it to I him. don't know if it's for mail or if he's, like, sitting across the street I right mean, now. yeah, he's <laughs> driving distance away. Yeah, so, so it's a little scary. I don't know about that guy. A little scary. Speaking of driving distance away, if you are driving distance away, November 10th, we are tailgating. Tailgate tour goes to Joplin. Stays in Joplin? Stays in Joplin. Missouri Southern hosting Pitt State. We are hosting you. Come hang out. We're going to have merch. Uh, we're going to be taking draft on draft questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we will be the only people probably tailgating in the Missouri Southern parking lot. So we easy will to find. not be hard to find. We will no. be the tent. Yeah, we'll be, we have two tents, and we will be the people. There. And we'll probably be allowed to fly our banner we the will whole be. time. Yeah, uh, tailgating starts at 11, kickoffs at 2. If you want to buy tickets, use the promo code Stick to Football, all caps. You get five bucks off. So we'd love to come see you guys. We'll be tweeting out that information uh, as we get a little bit closer, but it is going to be a blast. If you were at our LSU tailgate, it was one hell of a time. Or if you saw our Instagram live videos, <laughs> you know it was great. I honestly think that our... Our Missouri Southern Pitt State tailgate will be the best one. I agree. It will be local. We will have a lot of our friends there and a lot of people that we are acquaintances with. So come out and enjoy it. If you are within, I would say, three hours away, it's a must-be-at must event. You I have, have a basement you can sleep in. Like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I have. T- I bought a 10-person tent because we thought we were going camping for Mello's birthday, and then that got canceled. I will rent you my tent. I'll there put it up in my backyard and Airbnb that sucker. And I have a three-man tent. So I also have a four-man tent. We just house 17 people. There we go. Yeah, take that, Trump. <laughs> can do that shit for Puerto Rico. Uh, I can put 17 people in my backyard. Refugees, welcome. Okay, draft on draft questions. JQ underscore TV. Can Devin Bush be what uh, Jabril Peppers was supposed to be at the next level? You mean fumble a punt and cost his team the game? Ooh, that yeah. happened today. Well, and I don't think that they're... A lot of like, really. I actually think that Devin Bush is a linebacker. I would say Devin Bush is a good football player. That's yeah. the difference. And he has put on the weight that he needs to to play linebacker. So I know that he might be five foot eleven, but I actually think that he's probably looking at like a second round linebacker pick. Kind of like uh like Levante David, Quan Alexander, like guys like that. Thomas who, Davis. Yeah, Deion Jones, Shaq yeah. Thompson. We could do this all day. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. So I, I do think Devin Bush has a chance to be a late first-round pick. I really do. And I know Peppers was as well, but 
That was the Browns. Right. That was the Sashi Brown Browns. And he was like their fourth pick in the first round. Yeah, so not a good pick. I I definitely think Devin Bush is better. Travis Fornas, two questions. Love this guy. With LSU having beaten four top 25 teams, including number two Georgia, can we see a two-loss LSU make the playoff if they run the table? I... I don't think so. It would have to take a lot of other teams losing. Texas would have to lose. Oklahoma would have to lose, I think. And then, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan, they would both have to lose within there. If there is a two-loss team in, it it would be one of the SEC schools. Yeah, I just don't. If everybody else gets eliminated and it's down to LSU, who has two losses, and UCF, who's undefeated, they're going to pick LSU. I love that he's just conceding that LSU will lose to Alabama. Yeah, like, Like, you know that's going to happen. We lost to Florida, and we're going to lose to Alabama, so... Also, don't overlook AM. That's the last game for LSU. Uh, don't overlook that one because Kellen Mond is a freak. Like, and they almost gave Alabama fits. Right. Like weird things can just happen there. So, second question from Travis If you had the personnel to run any offense, which offense would you choose? And I've said this before, so I won't go long on it. It's that Ohio State kind of Urban Meyer offense. I think yeah. that offense does a great job of putting the ball in the hands of its athletes. Wherever they're at on the field, they'll get it to you. So that's the offense that I love. And I'll take this to an NFL perspective. I would run the Patriots offense because we've seen it work with different types of athletes. And it's I mean, it's a similar uh, philosophy of get the ball quickly out into space and let your guys make plays. But, you know, it's there's not just like it's not Andy Reid with Alex Smith where, oh, everything's a check down. We have to build in a check down. And it's not like Andy Reid now where everything's, oh, fuck it, just throw it deep. Like, they know when to take their chances. So, I love Urban Meyer's offense on the college side. That's definitely what I would do. Uh, On the high school side, if I ever were to get back into coaching, I would also run the Urban Meyer offense. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. TMR Troopers, if Justin Herbert really doesn't declare, does someone like Will Greer or Drew Locke get pushed into the top 15, much higher than they're probably worth? I intentionally stayed away from this earlier when we talked about Justin Herbert, but... Uh, like I said, I was talking to a bunch of scouts about this, and and one thing I did here, and I completely agree with this, is that the NFL will make someone a top fifteen pick at quarterback, even if they shouldn't. EJ fucking Manuel went. Yeah, top Ryan 15. Tannehill was the guy that came to right. my mind. It'll happen. Blake Bortles was the number three pick in the draft. Like they will make Blaine someone Gabbard. be a top quarterback. So yeah, someone will get pushed up. Because panic sets in, and mm-hmm. there's only so many quarterbacks available in free agency or via trade. So, yeah, someone will get drafted highly. I think it would be Drew Locke because of talent, like arm strength and athleticism. And you he could looks probably, the part. you could talk yourself into that, thinking you could fix it. I don't think you can, but someone would talk themselves into it. Yeah, and it would probably be the Jaguars. Like we already see them probably. kind of panicking. Sunday, Blake Bortles gets benched. Jalen Ramsey starts talking. I think that they're a team that might just say this year, okay, we have to go get a quarterback, and they're going to fall in love with somebody that has a big arm who's pretty athletic and highly inaccurate. That sounds familiar. Uh, Justin W. Tarbell, another dose question guy. We got a couple of those this week. Number one, what do we see as the Eagles' biggest need in the draft? For me, I, I will tell you what I've heard surrounding the trade deadline. They would like to get another receiver in there. So I think that's something to watch. This is a team you probably expect to be picking fairly late in the first round. So receiver is going to be a big need for them. Maybe someone like Marquise Brown coming out of Oklahoma. I think they have Alshon, obviously. They have Aguilar. They could use somebody who brings a little bit of speed and some underneath ability. Yeah, or an, even another running back, what we've seen with J.H.I. They just need somebody yeah. that can take the load off and help Wentz out and... 
They haven't found it yet. They yeah. haven't really even looked for it yet. Damian Harris, maybe David Montgomery. Uh, and then, I mean, they are a little old at defensive end. So that's an area where this is a deep edge rusher class. So somebody could come in there. Second question. This is tough. This is like, which child do you like better? Uh, who has a higher ceiling at safety? Grant Delpit or Caden Stearns? I think right now, Grant Delpit, but he actually, I mean, he has a year ahead of Caden Stearns. Yeah. I don't remember Delpit having the year that Stearns is as a freshman. So Stearns could make huge jumps next year and be even more dominant than he is right now. But if I'm answering the question today, I'm going to go with Grant Delpit. You're absolutely right. I mean, Delpit was good last year but not what he is right now. And I think you can credit the LSU staff for getting him up to this level, putting him in positions to succeed. Uh, They're doing a great job of that, like putting him in spots to make plays. Uh, I think that Delpit is one of those guys. They're so different. He and Caden Stearns. Like, yeah, Yeah. they're both hitters. They're both physical. But like you said, he's more of a Minka Fitzpatrick type. I actually think Caden Stearns is more of a Jamal Adams type guy. So it it is. They're both great players. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, you know, just take the easy way out, but I agree with you. I think right now, obviously, Delpit's better, but he is a year ahead of Stearns. So, and he's a year ahead of Stearns, and I will have Stearns back here. Stearns hasn't had any college coaching, really. He is a true freshman who just came on campus and started knocking people out. So, he next year, we might see one of the best safeties that we've ever seen. And to, to your point, Stearns, uh, it, it, I don't even know if he started week one, right? He I played. I don't think he started. He has four picks. He's only one behind Delpit. Now, he doesn't have the sacks, but he plays a lot more single high over the top. Um, they're both fantastic players. Like, those are probably your two All-American safeties if we're being, if the people who vote know how to fucking vote. Like, yeah. There you go. So, not to take anything away from either player, they're both fantastic. Uh, great, great players. Uh, I can't wait to, to watch them both next year. Uh, Shane Merriman. If you were Dwayne Haskins, would you declare this year to keep from being stuck in a draft class with Jake Fromm and Tua? Com- getting compared to the quarterbacks in this year's class seems a lot more favorable favorable for him. Excuse me. I'd get the fuck out of there. Right? <laughs> I'm so Deuces. gone. Especially with the talk of Justin Herbert maybe going back. That's three pretty decent quarterbacks already in the class next year. And then we'll have some other guys that come along as seniors. So if I'm Haskins... Yeah, if Herbert stays, I'm definitely gone. I think something really interesting to watch is there has been, it's died down, but there's been talk that Urban Meyer might retire. Just because all the shit that's gone on, he might walk away. Again, again, health issues, air quote. Uh, If that were to happen, I think Haskins has to go. Yeah, I I would think so too. And honestly, I just, I think he's going to leave anyway. I think he's good as gone after this year. Didn't come to school to play school. Exactly. Uh, Tristan Katzman, when looking at running backs, how do you scout vision on tape? I'm a huge Broncos fan, and I missed on Philip Lindsay just as bad as anyone else. I think, first off, I think you're being too hard on yourself to say you missed on Philip Lindsay. Like, you have to wait and see. I mean, yes, it's been seven weeks, and he's made some good plays. He looked good on Thursday night. But um, I, I think one thing that teams do better than those of us that have to, I always say, like, we have to watch seven, 800 players mellow. And teams are able to cut that down and look at guys that fit their scheme. So they can say that, oh, man, Philip Lindsay's a great outside zone runner. Guess what? We'll just ask him to run outside zone so he fits good yep. for them. To, to more simply answer your question, how do you look at vision? One thing that I try to do is, um, thankfully, we're able to cut down uh, the, the tape and we're not just watching it on TV. 
I look for NFL style runs, not just like the weird broken plays, but I want to see a guy run inside and outside zone and really try to hone in on that. I mean, there will be times you watch the same play five or six times because you want to see burst. You want to see ball control, feet, balance, and visions. One of those things that you're going to have to watch for multiple times. So you look to see, does he follow his blocks? Um, are they patient? Um, and then, you know, sometimes it's, his, I remember watching guys like a Wisconsin back in the day where every run, there's no one around them. So you can look to see how often does this guy actually run through traffic and find a lane, whether it's a cutback or, you know, just a small crease that he can get through. Or they're just following a guard through a hole. They don't even have to look for anything. Yeah, that's pretty easy. And a lot of running backs do that. We don't see it as much anymore with the spread, but I, it is getting a little bit difficult to see how good a guy's vision is. Like, is he hitting the right hole? Does he have good vision with where a defender is coming from and where he needs to get to? Uh, it's definitely hard to do it on Saturdays when you're watching a game on TV. Yeah, it really is. And that's one thing it goes back to. I think the very, really, really good evaluators have some type of coaching background. Either their you know, dad was a coach or they coached first or they played at a, a kind of a high level so they understand scheme. And you can say, okay, well, that's that blocking scheme. This is, you know, he, the running back made that happen. So last three questions from our buddy Patrick Chamberlain. First question. Where do you currently have Ryan Finley in terms of round projection? And can you give a very brief scouting report on him? So I'll look up where I have him. I should have done that before the show. I, I would say right now, and I don't have any like documentation of it, but I would say he's a round three guy, uh, kind of depending on who comes out at quarterback. That's the hard part right now. I think if Herbert and Haskins both come out, they're round one guys. And that kind of pushes everyone else back down. So if they stay, I think that could even push a guy like Ryan Finley into the second round. I think so. Here's the thing. I pulled up my notes on him really quickly. Uh, Over the summer, scouts gave him a first round grade. So if you've seen him high on some draft analyst boards, uh, that's where a lot of that is coming from. That uh, he was given a, a really early round grade by whether it's the national or blesto people. I have him currently sitting at number 64 overall, which is about right where you said, Mello. Bottom round two, top round three. Uh, he's obviously a good-sized quarterback. I, I think his motion is tight. I mean, he he definitely uh, is able to fit it into some tighter windows, but I, I think one thing he's going to get hit, I say good size, I meant height. He's going to get killed on how skinny he is. I mean, he is, he is real thin, kind of built like a less athletic Jared Goff is how I see him as, as a build, but... I, I think the biggest thing is going to be decision-making. Like you said, he struggled against Clemson. He's an older guy. I mean, he started at Boise State, transferred to NC State. Um, we've seen this year, I think interceptions are becoming a little bit of a problem just because he's trying to do too much at times. So there are going to be those those questions. And that's what I have on notes off like the two games, it looks like, that I've actually charted so far. So um, he's intriguing. Um, and I know his numbers this year were pretty good leading into the Clemson game, but they they also have just not played anybody. Yeah, and I liked him over the summer and did a little bit of work on him, but I still he hasn't done anything for me lately. He hasn't, I don't think, hurt his draft position much, but he hasn't done anything to improve it. So he's still sitting around a, a day three guy probably for me. Uh, but we'll see what he can do because he's a senior quarterback, and I don't like to come out and say that, oh, I have a guy here until I've seen him at yeah. the senior bowl. That is, that will change your mind completely on how a guy leads his team, how his teammates think of him, how he works with his receivers, because that can tell you a lot about how he's going to work in the NFL. 
I hope we see him at the Senior Bowl. That's such a huge thing. Of like, let's get down there and show up a mobile. I mean, you look Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, uh, Dak Prescott, guys who really helped their draft stock by going to mobile. So I think that would be a good environment to see what he uh, is all about. Like you said, as a leader, uh, as a teammate. So second question. <laughs> not football related. If you were told you could only eat one type of meat for the rest of your life, which meat would you choose? Um, I think that's pretty easy. I be think steak, it's very easy. Like right? beef. I don't know how general you want to be <laughs> like beef, steak, filet. I don't think I would ever get like sick of a sirloin. No, it is pretty basic and hard to screw up. Yeah. Give me a, a medium cooked filet. If I had to power rank it, it would be like, yeah, beef, then ham, then chicken. I would go beef, chicken, turkey. You don't eat ham. Yeah. Try not to. I eat bacon. But could you every day for the rest of your life? Mm, See, I don't think I could. No. Like, a lot of people love bacon and they're like, oh, it's the best thing ever. It is very good, but I'm not. If you eat it every day, you have about 12 days of your life left. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know that I could eat a cheeseburger every day. Yeah. Or a steak. Like, that's yeah. just. There is one meat, and it is beef. I could also eat chili every day. Which is also beef. Yeah. Oh, man. I love chili. Uh, all right. Last question. With all the one-loss college football teams, who would you currently have in the number three, number four cl- playoff spots behind Clemson, Alabama? Psych. We already answered this question. I could just kept it in there so I could say that. <laughs> yeah. And it is, obviously, it's going to be Notre Dame at number three for both of us. And then number four for me is Michigan. And number four for Matt is Texas. And I hope to God that you are right, Matt. I want to see Texas. Did you in the have playoffs. either of those teams in your preseason top twenty-five? No, I did not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I love it. I just <laughs> I'm so used to being the one who misses on things, and you guys get to give me shit oh, about yeah, it. Yeah. I'm enjoying this just you know, a little bit. And I always bring it up too. Last year, I predicted that the Eagles would finish last in the NFC East, and they went on to win. The Super Bowl. I don't care at all. Kind of like you. I just, I'm going to be wrong on things. Like it happens. I'm not going to be right all the time, but there are certain things that I'm right on. And I'm going to tell you about those too. But I definitely uh, did not see Notre Dame in Texas or really even Michigan being as good as they are. Yeah. No, that's right. We all, we all miss. Uh, That's our show. Hopefully you guys are having a good Monday. Hopefully this gets you through and has you excited. Wednesday morning show, it'll be myself and Connor. Friday, me and you, buddy. A lot of fun uh, as we're we're home for a week. It's been honestly so nice to just be here for the weekend and to be able to do laundry with football on in the background has been great. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram and try to come out and meet us on those tailgate tours if you can. We will be in Joplin almost always and also in Columbus, Ohio, November 24th. Also, I normally would let you end the show there. Friday morning, somebody's birthday. So make sure you listen. Oh, yeah. Friday morning, special, special <laughs> mellow show. We're looking forward to it.